You know, we've had a we've had a lot of a lot of birthdays and anniversaries the last uh, couple of weeks. I usually don't mention much because I don't want to ever overlook anybody. But we've got one little lady right here, Paige. Come here. <laughs> Honey, are you five years old today? Yeah, I am. Yeah, and I know Brooke's got a birthday too, but Paige is five. And, and as a birthday present, Grandpa wanted us to sing happy birthday to you. No, I don't like that. You don't like that? How about I just tell you happy birthday and you run back then? Okay, happy birthday. (laughs) Okay, she didn't want me to sing. I don't blame her. The rest of them that's heard me sing don't want me to either. (laughs) But but a happy birthday to everybody. um, I know there's been a lot and I don't want to overlook anyone, but but happy birthday, Paige. Did you want me to sing? Okay, all right. Well, thank you and you can run back there to Grandpa now. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> but I don't blame her. I wouldn't want me to sing either. <laughs> Before we uh, get into the Word of God, I'm going to bow for a moment of silent prayer so we can prepare our hearts and our, our minds and, and for whatever you want to pray for at first, and then I'll close this out and we'll get into the Word. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day, the privilege to have the Godhead in our presence and to have a God who wants to be with and apart and fellowship with his people. And Father, we stand in awe and amazement that you would be here with us today and we pray that everything that we say and that we do and we think that it would be pleasing in thy sight. And Father, as we prepare to open up the most important thing in life, and that's your word, to study from it. Pray, Father, that these things will be easily understood, that our hearts and our minds will be opened up, and we will see how that you wanted to reveal these things. And they are powerful things, and if you, on the first glance, they're scary things. But we pray that you will comfort us, Father, and you in that you wanted us to know these things about you and your son and what's happening because of the trials and the tribulations that come through life, that your people are prepared and they can see what you are doing actually in the world around us and what you will do to protect your people. And that's what this is all about. It was written for words of encouragement to the churches at that time in persecution and then to us as well today to learn from and to apply that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever and that you are doing these same things in this church, in this country, in this world. And Father, be with us now as we break open your bread of life. We pray that we'll be edified by it and that you will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we begin, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 1, I want to share with you a story about a pastor in Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital. And uh, 
he gave the lesson, and as he was standing in the back greeting folks, kind of like what I, I try to do also, so if, whenever you go back there, come by and say hi all the time. Today, not so much. I want you to, to grab your, your bellies full. But he noticed a guy that he only sees every once in a while, maybe twice, three times a year. And so he made his way over and he grabbed his hand. And he said, son, I need you to be in the army of the Lord. He said, I am, pastor, I am. I'm in the army of the Lord. He goes, well, then how come I only see you like Christmas and Easter only? I, uh, my brother was telling me about that the other day, CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. And uh, the guy said, well, it's because I'm in the secret service. Don't tell anybody. And he said, the secret service? He said, yeah, that's why I'm here. Well, you know what? The Lord, we're all, we're going to find out we're in his service. Not just the secret service, but we're in his service every day. He wants us to be there. Like that. So in Revelation 1, we're going to find that out. But speaking of service, I want to honor those today who were veterans. So if you're a veteran today, before we get into Revelation 1, would you stand so that we could give a moment of applause to you for your service to your country? These men weren't in secret service. They... They have given a portion of their life to serve this country. You may be seated. Thank you for your service. You know, we're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner today. But Thanksgiving wouldn't still be going on if we didn't give thanks also to God for what He did and also to those men and women who have served to protect freedom of this country so that thanksgivings continue to go on. It's through those services, and, and uh, we want to say thank you for that today. Our subject of worship this morning is Revelation 1, and then preparing for 2 and 3, the seven churches of Asia Minor. And that's an area of Turkey. Today we think of Asia as a continent, but this was a Roman prefix so this was what the Romans called Asia Minor, and so that's why it was written to those. And let's read again chapter 1, just so that we get it all in our mind and see the glory of this. Revelation 1, beginning in verse 1, it's, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show the servants of him the things which must shortly take place. And he sent, and he signified it by his angel, to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all of the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads. Those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. And John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from he who is, and he who was, and he is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us, and he washed us from our sins in his own blood. 
And with that, He has made us to be kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with clouds and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. And all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him, but even so, Amen. Because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. He who is and who was and who is to come. I am the beginning and the end, the Almighty. And I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ. I was on the island of Patmos. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me the loud voice. The voice as of a trumpet. And that would be a shofar by the way. Saying I am Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. And what you see. Write in a book. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus. To Smyrna to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that had spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. But in the midst of those seven lampstands stood one like the Son of Man. And he was clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. And his hair... And his head was like white wool, white as snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And his feet were like fine brass that had been refined in a fire a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid hold of me with his right hand. And he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I, I have a promise for you. I have the keys of Hades and death. Write. The things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And the mystery of the seven stars which you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. There are so many deep things in this chapter that I would really like to vet out for you. But it would take a couple of months, and I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, on Wednesday nights, like we said, we're going to take a few of these and bring them out, but I'm even going to save more for later because I plan on trying to teach this first three chapters every year to two years because they are the epistles of Jesus Christ to His church And what it says in verse 1 that God wants us to know and be revealed about His Son to us. 
But we could talk and dig into several different things. How about there in verse 5 when it talks about how He loved us, washed us with His blood, cleansed us. How about that He has made us to be kings and priests to His God through Him. We could talk about the significance of clouds. That would blow you away, but those clouds could be you and I on that day. Just a hint. We could talk about the certainty of the second coming there in verse 7. But I'm going to skip past these verses right now. And I want to go to verse 9 if you're there. And in verse 9 it starts out in this vision. The first vision of Revelation that he's getting ready to give. Because this book is told in visions as a story. And he starts out by saying, I, John. And when he says, I, John, it's almost as if the impact of being the one chosen to reveal these things has overwhelmed him. Man, I, John, have been chosen to write these things down out of everybody for the church. He is a fallen companion. Well, he's a companion of the fallen ones that has served before him, I should say. He says, I, John, am both your partner in companionship and tribulations. I am your brother in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. He is participating in those things with them. He's not exempt. It says, I am your brother. I am in participation of these things with you. And that word for tribulation that he uses there is means to be constricted and hemmed in. It's not just persecution that you think, but it's pressure. Everything in life, picture a triangular tunnel that you go into, and as the pressure gets greater, you back up and you try to stay away from it, but it finally constricts you into the point of the triangle And you're backed up and you say, I can't take it no more. I've come to the end and it's forced me to the end of my rope. And I don't know how I'm going to go on. That's what this word means. And he says, I am your companion with you. This is written to seven churches who were being persecuted by the Roman Empire because of Jesus Christ. And he says, I am a companion in those things with you. There is no escape. We feel like our burdens are there. Sometimes here recently I've felt that as well. I feel like I've been constricted and I've been put by every aspect of life back into that triangle. I don't know about you. I look around. I don't think that you guys experience that. I see a lot of smiling faces. and I'm going to tell you how though I felt being that way and then I studied this and I looked And he says, then I'm also in the patience of Jesus Christ there in verse 9. Not only is it tribulation and trouble, but patience. And I looked at that word patience and I looked it up. And it's not really the word for patience. It's what all of this might lead to. But hupomone means to be able to stand up underneath. It means to endure. And so he says, I am enduring this with you, which leads to patience. 
So he was relying upon Jesus Christ, the patience of Christ. He was relying upon Christ to help him endure and bear up underneath all of the the tasks and all of the things that was going on. And I got to thinking about John here, and, and you think, oh, it's easy to say, be enduring and be patient, but you don't know my problems, and you don't know everything I'm facing, and you don't know how it affects me. And I say, listen to John, the one who just wrote these words. John probably started following Jesus around 15 years old. He was a teenager when he started following him. Stayed with him every day for over three years. Grew to love him. He was his rabbi. He was his master. He was the one that he was patterning his life after to reflect his image. And as a teenager, he saw the one that he loved scourged, mocked, taken prisoner, beaten, spit upon, and crucified as a teenager. And he didn't give up. And he persevered and he endured and he persevered. He is 85 years old or close to that right now. 70 years. Is, he's been doing this for his Lord. And during that time he is saw in A.D. 70 when the Roman Empire came against Jerusalem and tore it down and dismantled the temple stone by stone and not one stone was left standing upon another. And as he broke that down, the Romans also went through and leveled 985 villages throughout the area of Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee, the places where Christianity and Judaism were. 1,100,000 people died. Many of them would have been relatives, loved ones, friends, companions. Speaking of companions, the other 11 who had been with him, and then those later on through the church at Jerusalem, what happened to his fellow companions? One of his best friends, Peter. He had a business with him together even before Jesus called him. He, he knew his best friend was crucified upside down for the word of God. He knew some of those apostles were sawn in half. Heads cut off. His brothers. He's faced persecution. He's faced tribulation and trouble. And honest to goodness, when I came to this point in my study, and I was led to study that and write all of this, and then I looked around at the next verse at what he says, and still in verse 9, the next part that he says though, I'm here for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Seventy years later, I've been remaining firm to those things. He's in his 80s. He's on a little rock island in solitary confinement out on Patmos. You know, today, those who get arrested get three hots and a cot, they call it. 
Well, he had three codes and a code rock cave that he slept on and slept in. And everything was stripped from him because he is a prisoner of the state because of treason. Because he has a different king. And then I look around and he's desolate and dejected. And if anybody had a reason to give up on the word of God to make it not important, he did. Lord, I leaned upon your breast, but this 70 years has been rough. Put yourself in his place right now. 85 years old. Desolate. Persecuted. Everybody and everything that's ever been important has been taken away. What would you be doing right about now? Verse 10 brought me to tears. I was in the spirit. On the Lord's day. I cannot relay to you how that made me feel right about then. My pain and my little turmoils and my persecution is nothing compared to this man. For 70 years he has faced that and he says I'm here because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. But I am in the spirit on the Lord's day and I just dropped my hands and prayed. And I am not worthy. And I'm sorry for being emotional. But this is the way I feel and that's how it moved me. And I hope it moves you this much as well this morning. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Where would you be after that? And he says, for 70 years I've suffered, but I'm still there and I'm in the spirit. And I can't believe that you're getting ready to reveal to me what you have just done. He's there because he didn't forsake the word of God. If anyone could have, he would have. Give in to what's popular or what the culture is. He could have gave in to Rome. He wouldn't do it. He chose to be on this rock instead. The word of God, folks, lives and abides forever. And it's the most important thing that you will ever do. And coming here to study it is the most important thing that you will ever do in your life and take in this doctrine. Jesus said in John 12, these words about his word. He said, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in that last day. He didn't give up on the word of God. I am here because of the word of God and the testimony. He knows that for you and I as well, and he's writing this to the churches who are going through that persecution, and we're going to study those. We're going to see the faithful servant Antipas and Smyrna and what happened to him, and you're going to just be shocked at what happened to Antipas when we get there. What was going on in the persecution of these churches because of Rome and the dictatorship of Domitian? We've never been through anything like that. But John is a faithful witness and because of that he is being given this revelation of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and he has nothing right now. When you are arrested for treason as a criminal from Rome, they take everything that you have. And here's your little nugget of trivia that I promised you in our greeting. When Jesus hung upon the cross, 
There's seven sayings, and each one of them was very important, and it's why that they were put there. But when he hung upon the cross, and he looked down at John, and he looked down at his mother, and he said, Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. You know why he did that? Because he was still in his right mind. And as a part of his last will and testament, he gave possession of her over to John to take care because the moment he dies, the state gets everything and they would have had Mary. And she would have been a servant of Rome. But he said, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. That's just a nugget of trivia for you is how important John's here with nothing. They've stripped him of everything. Everything that's been important and because of the persecution, he's going to get this because this book is written to give hope to the church in a time of persecution. The vision that he receives of Jesus Christ displays in the midst of the lampstands, which is the seven churches, is this. If you're still with me in chapter 1, let's go to verses 10 to 13. And he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of the trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. John, what you are going to see, you write in a book. Send it to those seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamos, to Thyatira and to Sardis, to Philadelphia and Laodicea. And John turned as he was in the Spirit on that Lord's day to see who was speaking to him. And it says, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. And he was clothed with a garment down to the feet. And his chest was girded about with a golden band. And again, we could spend a month right here. I could go into trumpets. Did you know that trumpets talk? That they speak? That they have a language all of their own? They do and they're anointed. And even in our Even in our warfare and our service today, those who served will tell you what plays every morning. It's a trumpet, isn't it? It's reveille, and it speaks what? Soldier, you better get up out of bed. If not, that drill instructor is going to come and take care of you. What happens when you're on the battlefield? The trumpet goes, charge. Gives a command. So this voice of a trumpet is speaking and it gives commands and it gives orders. And this voice was talking to him. We could talk really deep about that. We could go into trumpets. We could go in to all of the things that's described here. But I want to talk about, first of all, the garment that our Lord is wearing. He's in a robe that goes down to his feet and a golden band around it. And you know that... Could be, you would think, like a king's robe, a mighty royal robe of some kind, but it's not. Because in Exodus and Leviticus, it's described of what the priest's garments are going to be made of and what they're like. And the high priest is the one who wears the golden patch across his chest. And this is the picture of Jesus Christ active today among the lampstands, which verse 20 says is the churches. So he is in the midst of the churches as the high priest of his church, taking care of it and making intercession for us. There are seven 
actual churches that he is going to write to, but the number seven is a number of completeness. It's a number that started in Genesis whenever on the seventh day God rested from all of his works. And why did he rest? Because his works were complete. It was filled up. And that's what the number seven is. It's full, it's completeness, it's the filling. And so that means that he's writing really to all of the churches. And what we read in these attributes and characteristics of seven churches is really a part of all of the churches. And you say, preacher, how do I know that? Well, if you go to chapter 2 and 3 and you look, each time he says, he that hath an ear to hear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church is. It's in the plural and it's in the present tense every time. And present tense means that as long as there's ears and as long as there's churches, this word applies. And I've checked and about 62% of you out there have ears. Don't reach up now to see if you're part of the 38. Do that later. But... He that has ears to hear, let him hear this, what is written to the churches for us. Now, as we go, verse 12, John sees the Son of Man. That's Jesus Christ. Son of Man comes from Daniel. And it's given to the Messiah, to the one who would be the Son of God. And, and it's Jesus Christ alive. And how is he pictured is with that golden band and his, his robe. And he's the high priest of his church. And he's taking care of us and interceding. And he's alive and he's active and he knows everything that's going on. It has, again, we could talk about all of these other characteristics next week. Next week, preview of coming attractions. I'm going to have to confess and repent that I won't make it all the way through chapter 1 today. We will next week, Lord willing, with the rest of the vision that talks about his white hair and head and about his eyes and about his feet and about those things that's getting ready to be talked about in chapters 2 and 3 with the churches as well. So I repent and tell you that last week when I said I was going to try to do it that we're not going to quite make it this week. But he is the one that is described with all of these things with wisdom and with honor with his white hair. But he judges the church and those in it also. Not only just the outside, but he takes care of his church because he bought it and he wants it to be pure. He wants it to be holy. And as we studied on Wednesday night, he wants it to be the bride of Christ. We are his bride and we are to be faithful to him. He knows the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts and everything behind it. And that's what that white hair of wisdom and head describes. So it's a preview of next week. And he's he is in his church with feet like burnished brass. He puts it on display at Thyatira. If you look up there in verse 18 of chapter 2, this is to the church at Thyatira. These things say the Son of God, who has eyes like flame of fire and a feet like fine brass. I know your works. That's the intro. You can always tell by the intro of these seven letters when we get into them, whether it's a good or a bad one. There was... There was two faithful churches and five that had unfaithful things going on. And you can tell by the intro which it's going to be. And here, that intro doesn't sound too good. He says, Those who commit adultery with the woman Jezebel, the one who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and seduces my servants, I will...
cast those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. You know why? Look at verse 23. So that all the churches shall know that I am He who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. So it's written to who? Us. To the churches. Why? Because we're the bride of Christ. He wants us to remain pure and holy. And these things that He has given us is so that we will be faithful to Him in life. Because you also go on to read that those who will be faithful to me unto death shall receive a crown of life. We're going to see that too. Each one of the books has a warning. But then they have these edifications of He who overcomes, another bit of trivia going forward. The word overcome is Nike, Nikeo, where we get Nike. Yeah, like Michael Jordan in the tennis shoes. means victor. So Nike is those who are victorious. And who are the victorious? Who are the overcomers? The ones who hears and does these things. And I will bless you. And he gives all these special blessings of those who believe and, and hang on and be faithful. And that's why these are words of encouragement to us that no matter what pressure, tribulation this world is placing on you to take you and change your minds, be thou faithful to me. And I am going to give you these things the right to eat of the tree of life, the right to be in my companionship, the pillar in my temple I will dedicate to you. All of these things are promises to those who will overcome. But there are warnings that if you don't and if you leave like your first love, one of the churches, if you become lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. So that's what these are supposed to be words to encourage us to continue on in the word of God. And then the sword that protrudes from his mouth in chapter 1 and verse 16 You know, that's not just a hood ornament like a Buick has. That's for something special. Chapter 2 and verse 12 says it like this, to the angel of the church who compromises the truth of the word Pergamos, write this, These things saith he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works. I know where you dwell. You've heard that before, haven't you? I know where you live. Mm -hmm. And I've got a few things against you. You hold the doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, which I hate. You want to know what that is? Keep coming. We're going to study that in a couple weeks. Verse 16, though, repent of those things, or I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. So our high priest, that is the sword of war and protection. He is protecting his church. I will come quickly. It's only mentioned in three places, this particular sword. This isn't a regular sword like the other word. This is Romphia. This is not Machaira. Machaira is what Peter had on him when he sliced off the high priest's ear. It's a hidden sword. This is the big, long sword that you see as they ride their horses through battle. And if you've watched some of those movies and it comes out and it sweeps across, this is the Romphia It's the war sword that's protruding out of his mouth. And we're going to, it's used in three places. Like I said, it's only used a couple of times. And one of those times is here. And another one in Revelation chapter 19. Um, 
There we see the same picture of Jesus Christ as the high priest of his church and working in it. And on Wednesday night last week we talked about the bride of Christ and some of the things and how the houses were added upon to the father's house and that's why they had rooms when they got married. The son would and then he would come and get his bride and how that was a picture of the church and how when Jesus said, I go to my Father's house to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And if I have been there, and when it's complete, I will come for you and bring you there. He's building these rooms on to his Father's house for his bride, for us. Now, if you're there with me, starting in verse 9 of Revelation 19, and it's also on the board there, this is the other place that this sword is mentioned, and it's, about the bride of Christ. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. And he said to me, These are true sayings. And I fell at feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am a fellow servant too of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. You are to worship God, and for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw... The heavens opened, and behold, there was a white horse. And he who sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes are like a flame of fire. Does that sound familiar? That's chapter 1 that we've read the last two weeks. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe that was dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on those white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself shall rule over them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And folks, this is not my thoughts. All I'm doing is reading to you. This is not my words or any spin on anything. This is just the Word of God. And why are we reading that? Why of our whole lessons? Because he takes care of you and I. We are his church and he goes to battle against those who wage war against us like the Romans were at that time and persecuting them and persecuting John. And this is a word of hope and perseverance for them because I know and I know your works and I'm going to purify my church and I am also going to protect you and those who are out there persecuting you from your country or whoever. I am there and I've got the Ramphia. I've got the sword of battle that goes with me and I am king of kings and I am Lord of lords so take heart America take heart new life Christian church the one that we serve and that we worship is king of kings and Lord of lords and he is fighting for you and I and he is working in the church as his high priest it's what God desired you remember that's how this book starts out This is the revealing 
of Jesus Christ, of what God wants us to know that he is alive and that he is well and he is protecting us and there for us and what he wanted that to show to you and I. And soon that we're going to study those things that Jesus told to those seven churches. Ephesus, he's going to tell them, you left your first love, repent, or I'm going to remove your lampstand. I'm going to give you a hint. They didn't repent. There's no church in Ephesus right now. There's a ruin. Oh, the faithful church, there's still a church there. He, he saved it. Ephesus, he gave them a warning. They didn't follow it. It's gone. Smyrna, be faithful to death. You're a faithful church now. Continue on. Be faithful to death, and I will give you a crown of life. Pergamos, repent. Or I will come to you quickly and fight with you from this same sword that we saw that I battle with protecting my saints. Thyatira, repent or I'll cast you into great tribulation. Sardis, oh you're the dead church. You think you're alive but you're dead. Watch or I'm going to come to you like a thief in an hour that you know not when. Philadelphia, my other faithful church. Hold fast to what you have. There's our encouragement. Hold fast to what you have and see that you allow no one to take your crown away from you. Hang on to that. Laodicea, you're lukewarm. You know what lukewarmness does? It makes him sick. He says, it turned my stomach so I will vomit you out of my mouth. I stand at the door and knock. Please, hear my voice. Let me in. Follow me. This is the Word of God and what He wants revealed to us as the church and why is it written so we will trust Him and know the truth. John 1 and verse 14 when it talks about Jesus came to earth that He was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. It says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and that the Word, Jesus Christ, was full of grace and truth. There's grace revealed, but there's truth revealed, and we have to know both sides of the two-edged sword, grace and truth. So, He gave us all of these things, and we're going to soon study all of those. It's what He gave us to study from. Those verses that I skipped over in the beginning, I want to go back to those right now as we prepare to close. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before His throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To Him who loved us. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. And made us to be kings and priests to his God. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So as our worship team comes on back up. The promise is the certainty that I'm coming again. I'm coming back. In the meantime, hang on. Persevere.
through that persecution that you might be facing, through troubles, through trials of life, they may seem you cannot stand up underneath of them. It's hard to hupomone, to endure these things. Think about John every time that you're facing these trials and these burdens of life. Think about John. What happened to his rabbi when he was a teenager, the one that he looked up to. Every one of those that he loved, man, over a million of his fellow kinsmen and people were slaughtered by the Romans. The churches were being persecuted. All of the other, he is the last one of the disciples that's left alive. He is the last one. And he's there on a rock at about 85 years old. And so you think you got it bad. His word was, trust in the patience, in the ability to persevere in Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's the one who gives it to me and allows me to be at 85, a faithful witness to the word of God and to his testimony through all that I've faced. And folks, if you will trust in him, if you will take the word of God that we study all the time and the promises that he gives to us there for withstanding, we also will be able to endure and to persevere and be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for this encouragement. And also, Father, because we like sheep like to go astray, you also give us some words of loving, warning, encouragement to edify us to say, don't ever leave me, don't ever forsake me, no matter what gets tossed your way, no matter what the world is doing to you, no matter what whoever, persevere, stand up underneath of me. He is our example. And Father, you've also chosen John to be a faithful witness and servant also to be an example And to write these words of encouragement to your church that you as the high priest who stands in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That you are here among us at New Life this morning as well as the other churches who are yours and that you bought with your blood. And Father we pray that as we do, we pray that as you look and you examine our hearts and our lives and our motives and our intents. We would pray, Father, that we're part of the two faithful churches and not part of the five unfaithful. But if we are, please give us ears to hear so that we will understand where we are not doing what you would like for us to do so that we can change. And Father, we pray that you'll be with each and every one of us as we face that persecution in life because life's not easy. Life is not for wimps. And Father, especially the Christian life. So we pray for that ability to endure, to stand up underneath, through the patience and the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, who bought us with his blood and washed us and cleansed us. In Jesus' name, amen.